Co-host um, Ray J and Omarion's vocal coach Twelve Cow. What up? What up? What up? What's good, man? What's, what's crack? <laughs> yeah, you're doing big things, sir. Um, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah. Um, things are going great. Uh, it's, it's, it's warm outside. The sun, the sun is shining. Um, everybody's happy. You know. So, and we're talking hip hop. Mm-hmm. So, everybody listening, this is this is what happened. I asked, I asked my friend Kyle here. I said, "Let's, if you had to pick five albums, I'm going to assume they're hip hop albums. If you have to pick five albums to introduce someone to hip hop, someone who doesn't know what hip hop is, never heard hip hop." Nothing, no, nothing about it. What five albums would you choose to play for? Mm-hmm. And um, Kyle said, that's easy. <laughs> Give me a second. Um, for me, it took a little bit longer. Um, um, how, 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 how did you go about choosing your five? Uh, well, you're right. I did initially think that it was relatively easy, but... Once I sat down and tried to, you know, kind of come up with five, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't. It's was actually kind of difficult when you think about it because I'm coming at the mind at the at the mindset of, you know, okay, this is something I'm going to introduce to somebody who's never heard hip hop. So there were some favorite albums that I left off because I think like these albums that I selected, some of them, it's it's almost like you want to take baby steps. You know what I'm saying? So it's a gradual pro- progression as far as the albums that I chose. Wow, did you put um, them in order that you're going to play them? Um, I would probably do... Yeah, I did put them in order because wow. I'm going from the years. So I'm starting off in year X and ending in 20-something. Now that's, very, um, that's very important. That's very impressive. I don't think I put them in order. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure I could, but um, I, 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 I think I attacked it differently. But mm-hmm. everyone, let me tell you how we're going to do this. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling Kyle how we're going to do this for the first time. I want you to give me your five. I'm mm-hmm. going to give you my five. And then we'll go about how we chose them. Okay. That okay. way, you know, we'll see if we have any in common. And, mm-hmm. you know, we could talk about those. But then, uh, so so we don't, we won't... Um, we won't bait the listener to like, oh, can't wait to hear what. No, we're gonna give you the five <laughs> up front, and so while you have your face all scrunched up, we'll explain why we picked mm-hmm. those five. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think yeah. you should go first. Yeah, you, I'll go first. You're, you're, um, you're the you're the you're the guest. You're the co-host. Let's okay, go. So you you want my five? My five. Right? I want I want the five. Give me the okay. five. Uh, starting at number one. Mm. Run DMC's debut album entitled Run DMC. That's one. Number two, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back from public enemy. Mm-hmm. Number three, America Kaka's most wanted. Number four, Midnight Marauders. Number five. The college dropout from Kanye West. Wow, that is a strong, strong five. Um, I don't believe there's there's not one on there that I don't like that I don't enjoy. So that's that's a that's a good step. Um, okay. I'm gonna ask you, mm-hmm. how many do you think we have in common? 
Mm, looking at my list, one. I think we probably have one in common. I would be, I wouldn't be shocked if we had two in common. I would be floored if we had three in common because I'm not really sure how you came about yours, but I know how you think. So I'm intrigued to figure out what it is that you actually selected. Because again, I don't know about you. It was just like you said. I mean, it wasn't easy. When you first proposed it to me, I was like, oh, this is a piece of cake. You know, but it's, if somebody said, hey, e, give me your top five MCs of all time, you know that like the back of your hand. Yeah. But when someone says five albums that you're going to introduce to a new fan, that's a totally different ballgame because you don't want people's head to explode. So I'm, I'm intrigued to hear what your five were. So which one do you think we have in common? Public enemies, it takes a nation millions to hold us back. Okay. Well, here are my five. Um, not in any order. Okay. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. So <laughs> that's one. Mm-hmm. Paid in full. Bigger and deafer. Okay. By all means necessary. Hot, cool, and vicious. Ooh, the ladies. Because unlike some people, <laughs> I love women. <laughs> I just, I just didn't see any. I just, I just, I'm sorry. I just didn't see any on the list. Um, so, I mean, hey, man, it's only five. So, um, what was the rationale? Were you looking for Flo Millie or something? Well, I mean, listen, I didn't. As you say, I don't want their heads to explode. Right. Right. Um, so, what was the rationale behind? Nation of Millions for you? Um, I think for me, that rep that album represented a time in hip-hop where we may have been at our strongest point across the board. And I think because when you look at, if you, if you ever get a chance, folks, go and look up the albums that dropped in 1988. Ian and I have said it numerous times, and we can say it again. 1988 was the greatest year in hip-hop. But if you look at the albums that came out and you put you put yourself in 1988 there's no such thing as a rollout like your album just came out but when you look at the albums that are coming out week after week after week month after month it's almost like they were in competition with each other and each week it got better and the, the competition was more you know stiff for for the next person or next group or next artist that was coming out that particular era was very key because you know, what Public Enemy stood for. You know, they were about, you know, educating and they were socially conscious. But also when you listen to the music, the music was very pulsating. It was, you know, in your face. Um, They used rock guitars, James Brown samples. um, And then you had a voice in Chuck D, who has a very distinctive voice. You know, he never never gets mentioned in the top 10 or top five as far as hip-hop. Uh, greatest rappers of all time or what have you but his voice alone is one of the, the premier voices that we've ever had in hip hop and then you juxtapose that with you know Flavor Flav who he was so you combine all of that with just the overall sentiment of the album where they came from and again they were talking about being socially conscious they were talking about issues and you know it doesn't come off as a preachy you know, rap album. It is very, very much, like I said, socially conscious. And that was a time where, you know, we had black pride in, in, in rap and hip hop, if you will. And as you see the years progress, not much longer after 1988, there was a shift. So this revolutionary album kind of presents the time before the shift, if you will. So that's why I chose And I mean, other than it being a, an incredible album, um, this was this album represents the time before the shift because there's several shifts that happened in hip hop and you can debate and argue when and where they happened but we know the early 90s was a huge shift in hip hop okay i mean it's not much more i can add to what you said about the album that was incredible um the way i attacked my list <laughs> was i wanted to give the listener a, a idea of what was going on in the world and how what was going on influenced hip-hop music. Mm-hmm. And I think that that album 
it um, it's a good it's a good barometer to show how it affected the music and how what was going on was reported through music. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's where that's where I came up with that. Um, that's how I picked that. And I mean, there's a lot of albums you could have chosen. Like I mm-hmm. could give you another strong five. Right, but, right, right. Um, <laughs> right. But I thought if I had to pick one, it would be that one. And 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 like like mine's. Um, so. Run DMC's debut. Now I thought mm-hmm. about adding a Run DMC. I thought about raising hell, but I thought you know, it's too it's, it's too much rock on there for me, for mm-hmm. me to for me to give it to somebody. I ain't want I ain't want them to go the wrong way and think nah. This mm, uh, it it almost was. It could have been <laughs> right. But um, you're thinking with uh, Run DMC. Um, one, this was a very influential album. Um, I think this album, which came out in 1984, was also a part of a shift where rap went because it wasn't hip hop then; it was rap. Rap went from hip, hip, hip it up. You know, it wasn't really about a lot of lyricism. It was like, and I think we talked about this before. Like, rap prior to, at least for me, the rap that I heard prior to Run DMC's debut album in 1984, it was about having a good time. There really wasn't a lot of street rhymes and, and, and intricacies as far as the rhymes are concerned. Of course, you had the message, which I think was uh, 81 or 82, and that told a story. But for me, this was the first time that we were able to listen to and then with the advent of video, visualize two, well, you might as well say three mythical figures in, in rap. Uh, for me, these guys were the epitome of rappers. They were the epitome of b-boys. They were the, were the epitome of cool. And like, for me, this was in a lot of ways my introduction to rap. This is one of the first rap tapes that I ever had. And I just remember at the time, rap was so, it wasn't prevalent. Like, you couldn't hear this on the radio you couldn't see this on BET so it was so it was really kind of something that was hidden so and I always talk about how like this era of rap the fans from this era of rap are, are very starved because it wasn't a lot of rap so anytime we got a chance to listen to it any chance anytime we got a chance to see it we held on to it because we thought that rap was only going to be here for a short period of time so Run DMC and this album subsequently with the rocks infusion and then these hard beats and this this rhyming patterns that these two guys had and they worked well together. It was like the perfect blend of what you want hip hop to be. And at the time, at rap didn't we we had never seen any anything or anybody like Run DMC. At least I hadn't. And I grew up in a small town in South Carolina. So to see and hear this, it, it was it was a game changer for me. And I still maintain the fact that everybody owes a debt of gratitude to Run DMC because had they not kicked open the door, you know, not just in, at MTV, but on radio, on video, everything, then rap probably would have failed. I don't know that it would have had the longevity that it's had. I don't know that it, it would have ever dominated. But this album, I think, kicks everything off. And this album... It's a relatively short album. It's only like 39, almost 40 minutes. And, but you get the beats, you get rhymes, you get, you know, DJs, you know, you get the set, you get, you get a little bit of every, the only thing that's not on this album is graffiti, which you can't see. But, but this album, I think, epitomized, particularly at that particular time, everything that was dope about rap. And once you heard this, this, this album, in 1984, all you wanted to do was get more of it. You just, you, you couldn't get enough of it. So, you know, this was an album that we literally played the tape until the tape popped. What is the song on that album that you want to make sure the listener listens to? Sucker MCs. Sucker MCs all day. I mean, <laughs> that's my shit. Sucker MCs all day long. All day. I think I'd pick that or um, it's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a close set. Very close set. So on my list, I picked, um, well, 
Let's start. I picked paid in full. Mm, yes. I picked paid in full um, because I want the listener to hear how words can be put together. Mm-hmm. Um, how when it's really, really good hip hop um, music and when the MC is really good, you can enjoy them a cappella. But then when you combine them with beats like what is on paid in full, it is a whole different experience. So um, paid in full gives you street beats, lyrics for days. It gives you two, even though only one is good, DJ tracks (laughs) where you can hear you're scratching and everything. Um, when and someone can, hey, what is that? Mm-hmm. And when is the guy gonna rhyme? Well, let me explain. You know, um, and I can also explain why Eric B's name is first. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why he's president? Right. Um, the the why it's important to move the crowd? Why the rhyme goes on? <laughs> You know, uh, what the cut is that Eric B is on. <laughs> it's, um, I think, for any extra lessons down the line, they can hear where that stuff came from. So if if someone gave them an Illmatic, they can say, okay, I can see. I can see that. I can see, mm. I can see where that came from. Or they hear certain beats and certain samples all right, I get it. So that's why I came up with um, Paid in Full. I think I think it's the greatest hip-hop album of all time, even though it's not a flawless album, in my okay, opinion. Okay, okay. Because I think <laughs> Chinese arithmetic. Stop. <laughs> and okay. even, even Eric B is on the cut. And then you have another track that's just the beat. <laughs> it's just right. extended it's beat. beat is <laughs> is almost four minutes. So it's like okay, it's just the rest of the album is so good. It's mm-hmm. so much better than anything. It's like because they're all on this album, I have to put the album up there. My personal favorite album is Criminal Minded. I don't think I think that that is a flawless album. There's nothing to skip. But I ain't no joke. My melody, I know you got soul, move the crowd. They're so good. I, mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. So, yeah. I so, my, my I got a quick question for you. So, because obviously I echo every sentiment other than the, the joke about the beats. I, I love that album. I didn't pick it because I, I'm wondering if, and so my question to you is, do you think it's possible that some of Rakim's lyricism and some of the uh, similes and uh, bars are going to fly over a new listener's head? Are you concerned at all about that? No, um, no, because one, I think if I'm introducing someone to hip hop mm-hmm. and I'm if I'm playing it for them, I can explain like yo did you catch that or this is what he meant also right. the way that he rhymes it lends people to say yo someone that doesn't know anything that what was what was that what did they mean or why 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 would he even say that and i can explain i think that this this type of album lends to education people are like mm-hmm. wow so that's and when they find out it makes the experience even better. Like, wait a minute. Because he's right, he's trapped in the, between the lines. He escaped with, wow. Mm-hmm. So he was the <laughs> ink in the pa- So, unfortunately, it then makes things later on down the line like, ew. It was just, it, they didn't try to make us think. He, and I don't even think Rakim tried to make us think. It was just the fact that when MCs, the challenge was 
there's not there's not so many things that you can talk about. Right. And there's not so many things that they did talk about, especially in the 80s. So the challenge was to say the same things in the most clever and inventive ways. And, and to show how talented these people were and had to be to survive to even get your stuff played because the people that didn't have air quote it or have the incredible wordplay or have some kind of hook you didn't pay that much attention to them and and but um i don't think that these would go over their heads too much and even if they did like some of the things did when i was young listening to it I still thought it was incredible. And so that is, that's the, and I guess that's the best way to answer your question. And some of the stuff went over my head. I didn't get to 20 years later, but when it came out, it was still, wow, this is, this is better than just about everything. So yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. That that's, I think that's probably why I left it off, but your, your explanation that that sums it up. I, I got you. I got you. Um, all right, so you got um, you got nations, then um, America Cuz. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I picked that one because I think as I was narrowing down my list, I wasn't necessarily searching for a West Coast album or East Coast album, but I was looking at like trying to figure out the albums that were in that period of time where 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 the the genre of rap was changing and this was right around the time where quote-unquote gangster rap became you know extremely popular and you know a very profitable seller for these uh record labels but the thing about this album while it doesn't i don't necessarily classify it as a gangster rap album i think it is a very flawless album and I think really for you to understand this album, you really have to understand where Ice Cube was and who he was at the time. And he's leaving, you know, NWA. And that was something in and of itself because at the time, you know, rap was still relatively new. You didn't, you weren't in a rap group and left the group. I mean, it wasn't like when Diana Ross left the Supremes. <laughs> you know, we knew about R&B acts that would leave the group and go solo. There was no such thing as, a rapper leaving a crew, especially one as successful as N.W.A. and striking out on their own trying to make an album. And we knew nothing about the things that were happening within the group. So we just knew all of a sudden Ice Cube's going solo and he may or may not be dissing or he may or may not have any issues with the with, with his former bandmates. Um, that being said, this album, I think, is flawless. And I think what it shows is that Ice Cube is just as mean, is just as hungry, is just as political, is just as ruthless as he was with NWA. Maybe a little bit more because, you know, he has nothing to hold him back. And sonically, sonically, this album, again, I don't think it's a, necessarily a West Coast album, but it has a West Coast rapper with the production of Public Enemy's uh production team the bomb squad and this album i think really touches on both coasts but it sounds sonically like a quote-unquote east coast album if there was such a thing but ice cube blends it so well with his rhymes and his lyrics and his storytelling i think this is the perfect blend of what rap should be before it shifted and again it's shifting to the west this ain't a west coast album like you go listen to this and you go listen to ice cube's efforts on like West Side Connection and some of his later uh, solo efforts, and it doesn't sound the same. But lyrically, I, I I will venture to say that he was at the top of his game right here on this album. And um, this album, I think, for anybody who's picking up an album from you know 1990, they would want to listen to this because this is he he gives you a little bit of everything. He's got you know fairy tales. He's got story rhymes. He's got you know, misogynistic songs. He's got a little bit of everything, but more importantly, he's, he still stayed true to who Ice Cube is. And again, sonically, it's, I think it's one of the flawless albums that came out in that time. Hmm. Okay. This was a, this was a surprise pick. Um, but 
listen, what you said is, is solid. Um, I didn't go NWA or Ice Cube. I didn't want to nigga people to death. <laughs> um, because from my experience, when I, it wasn't a prevalent word. Cursing barely was prevalent when I was right. enjoying hip hop the most. Um, so I, I, I wanted to shy away from it, but um, this album is, is is strong. I wouldn't call it flawless, but I got I have another question for you about mm-hmm. flawless albums that we'll we'll save we'll save for later or okay. a different um, episode. But um, yeah, this was this was this is a good album. I remember remember when it came out. I, I played it in a in a Walkman. Uh, those are portable cassette players, <laughs> uh, kids. And during a um, a school assembly or something, we had we had something we were in the auditorium for, and I just I just threw it on, and that's all I did. I didn't even I don't even remember what was going on, Sage. But um, okay. So I went by all means necessary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, the reason why now my favorite hip hop album is Criminal Minded by Boogie Down right. Productions, but I chose by all means necessary um, because so how Nations of Millions was I looked at that as the news. So what's going on? And that was the news. And how it was reported through hip hop. By all means necessary by Boogie Down Productions is the school. So this was the education. It's they're they're both um, they're both it is political and and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and and radical, but the approach is different. Right. Whereas, I mean, Chuck D is basically yelling it down your throat. Like, look, this is what's going on. <laughs> and and Karis One is like, let me tell you why. Let me let me show you what they're doing. Let me educate you on how these things affect you. Illegal business, cocaine mm. business controls America. <laughs> it does. Um, my philosophy. Teacher, teacher, the part-time suckers, and 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 um, and then the um, the song necessary at the end is just talking, and they're talking about violence and and <laughs> so, um, why under the Christmas tree is a looking like gun, but it's violent when it's an album by Karis One. It's hmm. um so, um. This album would give the the listener some sort of background and make them think and and give them some actual knowledge that they can take beyond hip hop music. But I wanted to show them how in the 80s and early 90s, hip hop cared, hip hop taught. And hip hop wanted you to know things that were uh, applicable to your life. It wasn't all just let's let's party and get crazy, <laughs> and it definitely wasn't let's do drugs and drink and, and, and get high. Shoot up yeah, it was. It was a lot of listen. <laughs> this is what's going on outside, and this is what they're not telling you when they're supposed to be teaching you. This is what they're not teaching you, and they're not teaching you this on purpose. So um, I wanted to show um, how hip hop used to educate people even more than the school system at some points. Yeah. Oh, facts! Oh, facts! Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think that album definitely did that. It. Uh, I was I wasn't surprised to see that one on your list. That that one um, that one did everything that you said, and and like you said, it it, it gave the why. It really did give the why. And the thing that I love about what you just said and, and love about that era is that a lot of times, like I remember KRS-One mentioning Marcus Garvey. And prior to hearing that name on a KRS-One song, I didn't know who Marcus Garvey was. 
And I think at that time in hip hop, again, going back to an album like that and the PE album, It Takes a Nation of Millions, like you said, it was educating us. It wasn't, They weren't beating us over the head, but at the very least, they were dropping little gems here and there that make you want to go, go ask an adult, okay, well, who is Marcus Garvey? Who is Malcolm X? Like, you know, a lot of times they drop jewels about certain people or certain events that happened in our, or happened maybe right before we were born that we knew nothing about. And then they're also giving an explanation as to, hey, this is why this happened and it's still happening and we have to correct it. Yeah, even if um, even if it was something as simple as you walking with your parents and you see a picture and you're like, ah, oh, that's like the Karis One album cover. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. or your parents come to your room and look at the bottom and say, like, you know where that came from, right? <laughs> right. And, you know, just something real simple like that. And those things were done on purpose mm-hmm. by yeah, these so. artists instead of what's going on. So anyway, um, you have Midnight Marauders mm-hmm. as your uh, fourth fourth album to introduce someone to hip hop. Why would you pick this one? Uh, this one is a very sentimental album, but I think that one of the things, one of the great things about this album is this album has a little bit of everything. I mean, sonically, you have funk, you've got jazz, you've got bass, you've got, you know these great rhymes by, you know, Fife and Q-Tip. Uh, there was no, you know, Jerobi wasn't on this. Uh, Ali Shahi Muhammad. And you have a fusion of great sounds first and foremost. Before you start listening to these guys rap, you have a, a great fusion of sounds. Um, not to mention a, an incredibly dope album cover, <laughs> to say the least. But it's a laid-back album, but it's very precise. Um, I love the lyricism on this album. This is this album takes me back because I just remember like when I listen to it, it's a feel good album. It, you know, they're not, you know, unlike public enemy, they're not going to give you a bunch of, you know, gems to talk about the world or whatever like that. But they, these guys made such relatable music, you know, they weren't gangster, they weren't thugged out, um, but they were hip hop heads. And you take a guy like Fife who was really into sports so he could drop, you know, sports references that wouldn't necessarily go over an average sports fan's head. Um, Q-Tip was kind of conscious, you know, but he would say things that you could relate to. And I think the thing that that made me love this album as much as it did was that, again, it sounded sonically like nothing that I'd heard before. And A Tribe Called Quest always, well, at least up until this point, I think, they were just putting out feel-good music. I mean, like, again... And they were doing it against the backdrop of gangster rap. So it was a, a nice juxta, juxtaposition as to what you were used to hearing, but it was something different. And I mean, Tribe was going to do something different and, and they were going to go left. And I, I just love this album. I think this one, even to this day, you can just put on and just hit shuffle and just just let it rock. Now, I know you don't like one particular song here, but <laughs> I, I, I love this album, man. And I think Anybody who never heard hip hop or never heard a tribe called Quest before, you want to sit down and listen to this album. And, and and trust me, once you start listening to it, it's gonna flow, and you're gonna look up an album, and the, the album's over. And it's it's a 50 51 minute album, but it's a it's a great album. Love it. Okay, well, I mean, I suppose it's better this than you having to explain to someone what the classic example is. <laughs> so <laughs> if you. If you're gonna pick, if you're gonna pick, I suppose you you should pick this one. Um, let's see, what do we have here? All right, I picked hot, cool, and vicious. Mm, yes, yes. So the reason I picked hot, cool, and vicious by Salt and Pepper um, is one. I wanted to show, hey, the, the the women are also part of hip hop music and they contributed a lot. Um, and if this person is gonna continue to listen to hip hop, I want them, I want them to see how it was done correctly, if if that's if that's a term I could use. Um, 
or more inventively or more realistically, meaning these are women who are using their platform, we're using hip hop, much like um, Karis One was teaching, mm-hmm. and much like um, Public Enemy is reporting, they were doing both from a female perspective, which you didn't, you almost never got, but they were talking about guys that running game and trying to play them and lie to them. Then they were also talking about, hey, women getting catty. They're like, look, I'll take you, man. Some some, some real some real gutter shit um, <laughs> um, about a guy that may be cheating on them, but they, they know about them. They got the song chick on the side. Mm-hmm. And then for anyone who would think that they can't compete with the men, they got the showstopper going up against Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick, this and them. Um, and for anyone to think they just can't go, they not they shouldn't be rapping. My mic sounds nice, shuts all of that up. Mm, and so you get that, you get your introduction to go go music on 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 some of the songs. They even have a a, a Rasta type song with it's alright. Um, and it didn't hurt that they were attractive. Oh, thanks. So, <laughs> um, um, but this album is so well-rounded with its themes and and the way that they interact with each other and the way that they rhyme. It's, it's, it's criminal that people aren't pointing to this album more than they do because they don't at all. I'm the one that's pointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but... So to give someone to say, listen, these are women who are just as nice as anybody that you were going to hear when this came out. And um, not ironically, (laughs) they are more successful than all the people that I'll give you on this list. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But they're rarely, but this album is rarely talked about. Um, So... I wanted to make sure that um, I represented women, but I wanted to represent women correctly. And this album, it does not get any better than this album. So mm. there we go. I cool it. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I had the tape, and I used to play it all the time. Man, great, great album. Great album. Great era too. So you're ending this off mm-hmm. with um, um, failing the school system. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, the college dropout, 2004. Um, this one was different, man. I mean, like, and it's kind of hard to describe Kanye West at the time because he was known as a beat maker. And by this, by the time that this album comes out, he's he's uh, you know relatively a relatively successful beat maker, but not you know not worldwide known like he is now. But this was his first attempt at, you know, putting it out on his own, rhyming on his own and making beats. And I think, you know, this was this particular time and this particular album was was needed and necessary because, again, hip hop is shifting at this point. Because by this time we've blown through the 90s. We're now in the 2004. Money is everywhere. It's flossy. It's, you know, it's about having a nice chain and, you know, your, your, your pretty car and your pretty girls. And Kanye just, he just raps. You know, he's not, he's not flossy. He's not over the top, but he's very witty with his rhymes. And sonically, you know, this is a very good album. I mean, like, I would have never thought to put a gospel song like Jesus Walks on, you know, this album. But, you know, this was a guy who really, bet on himself and if you if you got a chance to watch the netflix documentary uh uh genius um which kanye is not in but it's about kanye um it really explains how he got to that point and how this album was created and you see and i'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it but in essence if kanye's single through the wire doesn't get leaked by himself this album never comes out 
because the people who signed him at Rockefeller, Dane Dash and Jay-Z in particular, they didn't really appear to, even though he had a record deal, they had they they didn't appear to be in any type of rush <laughs> to put his album out. And, you know, so you see the behind the scenes of him going, walking around the Rockefeller office, playing his music, and nobody's paying him any attention whatsoever. And so even with the backdrop of that, this album, I think, sonically is very, very good. I think it represents a, another shift where even in the 2000s, you know, guys was, guys and girls were still rapping. But, you know, this was one that kind of ventured off where it was about the lyricism. It was about the beats. It wasn't about being flashy and everything like that. Uh, and that style and that part of hip hop really kind of, I think this might have been the beginning of the end. Uh, of not rapping about that because after this at this point in time i mean almost everybody is you know former drug dealer turned rapper you know mafioso rhymes and all this other stuff but this one was really just about the beats and it was about the man behind the beats and the man who was making the beats and what he the story that he had to tell and, and i thought it was a, a very very incredible album interesting pick i'm i am um I am sure that people that are listening to this are pleased that you picked something post-1999. <laughs> um, and this this was a album when it came out. This was played everywhere by everyone. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, not, not in my top five or ten that I would right. pick to introduce somebody, but solid nonetheless, and I don't have anything bad to say about it. So I got a question. Ask it. You did the average mention, dancer, hyper dinner. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. You did mention, you know, uh, the time in which this this came out of 2004. So if I'm looking at my list, I got albums from 84, mm -hmm. Run DMC, mm -hmm. Chase Nation of Millions, 88, mm -hmm. uh, America Cuz Most Wanted in 90, mm -hmm. Midnight Marauders from 93, and College Dropout from 04. So I've got the 80s, the 90s, and the the oh the zeros the odds uh but i'm looking at your list and you've got everything in the 80s is there a particular reason why you didn't check anything off from the 90s or or or, or the odds for that matter um well the reason is when i'm thinking of introducing someone to hip hop i'm thinking of what one being a little selfish, what hip hop means to me mm -hmm. okay. and, and the message I'm trying to convey to them, but also a foundational type of introduction. Like, listen, when you listen to these particular projects, this will form your knowledge and opinion on everything after it. If mm. I gave them, if I gave them the purple tape, which would be incredible, and they'd be like, "Wow," but they have a lot of questions, right? Like, wait a minute, <laughs> I, I thought his name was Raekwon, Number one, who is? <laughs> oh yeah, they did AKs, and it's a whole thing. And then it was like, "Well, isn't this his album?" Yeah. Well, who's these other thirteen people? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Wu Tang, and then and so then I like, "Well, who's Wu?" And I'm like, "Okay." And so I don't, have, I don't, this way I'm, I'm, I'm showing them the, this is the boom bap approach. This is the foundation. This is what hip hop to its core, uh, stripped away all of the, the glitz and glamour, all of the money, all of the shiny stuff, all of, this is what it is or what it was, what it could still be what it kind of should be and what to look out for if you enjoy this right. what you can search for and what you can ignore because i don't want the the person to then to hear some other stuff and think oh this is hip-hop music it's like because a lot of people call a lot of things hip-hop music that is not hip-hop at all mm. and so the reason the 80s and maybe, I don't know, Bomb is still in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, it's, this is 
what birthed all of that. And mm. you can form your own opinion if the things after that is good for the music or bad for the music, but at least you have an educated guess, an educated idea of what it could be and definitely what it was. So that's why. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I know that probably a lot of people are listening. They know that there's one particular album that neither of us picked that is widely regarded as, as you know, top 10, top five hip-hop album, and that's Nas's Illmatic. Oh, I thought you were going to say Doggy Style. <laughs> hey, let it be known. <laughs> so, Illmatic, why? Because I, I figured that Illmatic might be just a little bit too much for somebody who you're, again, I, I tried to take them, based on the years that I picked and the albums that I picked, I try to take them step by step by step. I think if I'd given them Illmatic, like they really might have a hard time grasping everything that he was talking about, you know, in that time frame that, he, that it came out. Is there a particular reason why Illmatic didn't make your list? Well, yes. And I will answer that after I give you my last album. Oh, I'm sorry. I, th- I thought you did. I'm sorry. My bad. Um, the last album that I'm going to use to introduce um, someone in the hip hop music is Bigger and Deffer by LL Cool J. And the reason why I chose Bigger and Deffer is this album, this album has a lot of things going for This is probably the most um, um, varied. And dare I use a word, eclectic <laughs> um, album of all of the bunches because you have, and this is, and this this is not me getting on my LLs the goat pulpit, mm-hmm. but this is one of the reasons why I say he is because on this album alone, he gives you so many styles and so many types of records while maintaining his identity. And almost no MC can do that. And this is why I keep saying this, go because he'll give you, I'm bad, where he's yelling at people and telling them to eat cookies. <laughs> and then the song right after it, he changes up his entire flow, the entire song on Candy. Thanks. And that, that particular flow is still being used right now. Nobody rapped like that before that. And he didn't rap like that the song before that. Mm. So then he's going to give you Bristol Hotel, which, if you listen, it's another different rap style. It doesn't sound like I'm bad. It doesn't sound like candy. And he's telling a story. He's telling a story, rhyme ain't done. He's um, then. Go Cut, Create, and Go is back to the bad style. Mm. But then he's doing some some sort of street, some sort of education on the breakthrough, which doesn't sound like the other four or five songs. And, you know, then I Need Love comes out. That doesn't sound like <laughs> anything else. But the thing is, all of those songs is LL Cool J. It's not, oh, he took such and such style, now he kind of sounds like them. No. He he invents styles for the whatever whatever the song is about or whatever the beat is doing. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll do it like this, but it's still him. And then let's get ill. It's a totally different. Um, then the two wop on the L tip, the, the skit at the end. The thing is, this album will show how one MC can be so many things and give so many different types of. Uh, pieces of hip hop while being themselves because uh, paid it for that's right cam every song is right cam it's the same thing it's right cam mm-hmm. um same thing with um chuck d he's chuck d on every song that is that is chuck d um sometimes carols want to give you a little bit but it's really cares one the salt and pepper it's just salt and pepper but i just gave you six different songs on one project that was like different genres but it's still all the same actors and the same director. 
mm-hmm. which is which is incredible. And I also wanted to show the fun because hip hop is not all the seriousness of uh, right. paid in full, the seriousness of um, of, of, of by all means necessary because you know. Some pepper had fun on there a little bit. You know, we got cold lamper with flavor, but, <laughs> but this particular album, you got get down and go cut creator go where he kind of gets loose and ah let's get ill. Marama, he's talking about uh, Mickey Mouse and, and the honeymooners and and all kind of. So I wanted I wanted to also show the fun side of um, hip hop, and that is why I picked Bigger and Death. Okay. Okay. Hey man, get no argument from me. That is a an incredible album, and I mean, like, when you're talking about LL, it, it's a couple of albums you could have pulled from, but no, you what you what you described is actually very accurate. Yeah. Very. Well, listen to all these things. And it's like, oh, what, what is that a love song? But yeah, it's a love <laughs> song. So um, now back to Elmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I didn't choose Elmatic is because. As incredible as it is, it's more one note than anything else. So it's one note like paid in full is one note with out. But I'm gonna have to answer more questions. And I'm gonna I gotta explain what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And instead of paid in full, it's like man, just listen. <laughs> and when when they when they stop me on pay the full, say, well, what did that mean? I can tell them a sentence, and they're like, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. If they stop me on Elmatic, I'm like, okay, well, so so Queens is uh, a borough in New York, <laughs> and then when he was growing up, was, he he had a friend named Cormega, so Cormega went to jail. And so you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, so it's a whole, it's a whole thing that I got to explain to that, and and it's really short, and it's it's not, um, even though he has a, a story on there and he has some some straight hip hop, it's not as varied as what I want to do to introduce somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, Elmatic would be uh, a three hundred one, maybe a four hundred one course. That'd mm-hmm. be junior or senior year. But these are freshmen. Right. Listen, get in here, understand what is going on. So then, when you do turn on uh, a Elmatic or a, or fuck purple tape or anything of that nature, I can say, "All right, so remember, remember." Um, I know you got so like, yeah. All right, so this. They're like, "Oh, okay." So, um, but um, before you before you ask any um, more questions or give any more commentary, let me go down mm-hmm. the list again. Kyle's five. Five hip hop albums to introduce someone to hip hop are Run DMC. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. America's Most Wanted. Midnight Marauders and the College Dropout. It's going through the decades. It's giving you it's giving you a little bit of a little bit of everything. Um, I'm going paid in full. Nations of Men's, Hot, Cool, and Vicious, By All Means Necessary, Bigger and Deafer. Um, I don't think you'll find a bad album out of the bunch. I don't think that you would, um, um, you can shoot holes in too many. I am sure that depending on when you were born and when you grew up, where you grew up, and the first few things you've listened to, your opinion will differ. And your opinion is fine to differ. And please let us know on Twitter and Instagram and, um, and the, the, the Apple Podcast comments. Um, we're on Encyclopedia HH um, for all of, the, all of the stuff. So um, parting words, parting thoughts, questions, um, uh, uh, Things you hate about my list. What do we got? What do we got going on? <laughs> now nah, your list is fine, man. I, I had I had no problem with your list. I, in fact, like I said, I'm glad that we, I knew we'd have one. Once I once I did mine, I would have been surprised if we had two. One of the things that I will say, and I, I want to make this clear to the listener, because you know, 
it's not often, but sometimes, you know, we get a little feedback on Twitter and people think that there's a bias or, you know, maybe we're hating on other generations. And, and that's not the case. Um, I will say this. I, as I mentioned at the top, it was difficult for me, especially when I first started, you know, with the idea of all of this, right? So I went to, I don't know, about seven or eight different websites just to kind of get ideas and thoughts together and before I started writing stuff down. Um, I went to four specific websites. Uh, and on those websites, it gave me just a list of, you know, the albums that were deemed um, influential. And each album that they deemed that was influential, they had like a little write-up about it or what have you, what happened. But what I want to ask those of you listening who may have a problem or, or not really understanding what why there was nothing picked from the arts or what have you, um, go to go to the wiki, right? Go to the wiki and type in hip hop influential albums. And when you pull that up, and this wasn't even one of the websites that I, I actually saw this like maybe an hour or so before we got on the air. What I found is that the albums that were deemed influential, there were a lot of them in the in the 80s. There were a ton of them in 88, 89, 90, into the 90s. The back half of the 90s started to shrink a little. Uh, 98, they have on here a rap album that isn't really even a rap album. <laughs> the Miss Education of Lauryn Hill. But what I, what I see is that when it gets into the 2000s, there's only two years, I'm sorry, three years where they deemed that there was even just two albums that were deemed influential. And then they have some years like 2002, 2005, 2006, 2007, where there weren't any, by their definition, any influential hip hop albums at all. And that didn't happen in the 80s. That didn't happen in the 90s, according to this, you know, list that I'm looking at here. Um, and so... Maybe rap changed. Well, I'm not going to say maybe. Rap changed. And maybe the influential album stopped being made. And maybe people just started rapping and sounding like everybody else. And, you know, it's unfortunate that that, that happened. But I wanted to kind of, and you can talk about it if you want, but I wanted to kind of give the listener just a, a perspective of it ain't just me and E saying this. So when you look at our list and you say, oh, well, yeah, you got something from well, what about this album? What about that? Again, these are our opinions, but at the same time, he has the 90s. I mean, he has everything in the 80s. I've got 80, I got 80s, 90s, and the aughts. But if you go to any website, at least most websites, and you just type in influential hip-hop albums, most of them are going to come from the 80s and the 90s, and very few from the 2000s. But again, I, I gave you a homework assignment. Go to the wiki and type in influential hip-hop albums, and what will come up uh, will actually support what we just said. Well, listen, um, it's I, what he said is true. I don't listen, it's, it's hard to be influential later in in life and later in the thing. Um, and a lot of times, if um, your your position is, well, look at this album. It changed yet dot 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 going forward. This is what I always ask in return. Did it change it for the better? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> I will not argue that this album changed everything because everything after it this happened. But was that dope? Was that great for the music? Was that great for the industry? Was that great for anything? I'm not. I'm not gonna argue that it changed it. But it's just it's the Steph Curry argument. He changed the game. He did. Is it better? <laughs> the guy's incredible. Greatest shoot I've ever seen in my life. But did he change the game? Did he make it a better game? I'm gonna say the answer is no. So, just mm. saying, all change is not good change. All change is not positive change. Mm. You know, hey, they changed the abortion rule. 
Is, <laughs> is that great? <laughs> not nope. necessarily no. Not at all. Not at so all. just when 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 you when you want to come up to me and say, well, what about this? It's changed everything after that. Yeah, it did. Now, mm-hmm. now Kanye when he did this album, it changed. Yeah, it sure did. Yeah. So, anyway, um, I'm gonna suggest that you take these uh, ten albums. If you haven't heard them, take a listen. And see what you think and compare that to what you like currently. You might say, nah, this is kind of basic, it's kind of whack. That's fine. But I'm going to guess that somewhere in these 10, you're going to hear something and say, oh, that's where they got that from. Mm-hmm. Whether it be a phrase, whether it be a beat, a sample, a loop, an ad lib, a song title, an album title. Oh, that's where that came from. Yep, and that is influence. So, um, everybody, I, I appreciate you uh, listening. Um, we got a lot of stuff we're cooking up. Um, so, um, uh, like and subscribe and hit the bell. You know what the kids say. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, in the meantime, in between time, hip hop. There we go. Yeah, that was dope. That was dope. Mm-hmm. I like, I like that. We're doing some stuff here. Oh yeah, that was on point. Yeah, so now all I gotta do is find, as Ralph would say, the off button. <laughs>